We are brought to you today by a divided spy. Critics are calling Charles Cumming the heir to John le Carré. Uncover the truth in a divided spy from New York Times bestselling author Charles Cumming. Booklist gives a divided spy a starred review, calling it an airtight espionage plot full of unanticipated twists. For more information, visit adividedspy.com. I need sports to have to clear the room. Stand up and walk now. Hello and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I am an editor at TheRinger.com and joining me in the studio, this Grammy belongs to you. It's Andy Greenwald! Thank you, thank you. You know, being the light for all the artists in the podcast space is a, it's a, it's, it's a burden, but it's also a crown and, and, I, and I take it seriously. Here's the table of contents. Andy, we're going to be talking a little bit about the Grammys from last night. We're going to talk about Legion, which is a show on FX that you played you played a part in its its creation. I am Dan Stevens. Yeah, right. Um, and then we're also going to talk about the television show Girls. Uh, so let's get started, Andy, with the Grammys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we had talked with Chuck last week about culture being viewed through political lens. Yeah. Um, and it was really nice for Chuck to come on and talk to us about that. You can check out that episode from last Thursday. But that certainly was the case Sunday night. I think it was definitely like the things that people will remember about it, even in the like world of did someone win a Grammy or not is this this idea that um, there are institutions that are not keeping up with the times. Yeah. And, and I think that's basically whether you're talking about the government or you're talking about the re- the recording industry of industry America, of America, that it's just basically not representing what people feel and think and, and, and love in music. To be clear, I don't know if the Grammys ever did keep up. I mean, of all the four major awards, they've always been just the most often comically out of step. Yeah, I think that there are sometimes fun performances at the Grammys, but the idea that the Grammys ever had anything to do with, or even like propel, I mean, I guess in pop music it matters if, if you win a Best New Artist, people might check you out. Or if you win Best Album, people might check that album out. Yeah, it definitely co- it has always correlated to sales. But that also could be the fact that, like, you get a four-hour-long commercial in primetime. Sure. And people see that you're the best of the best. And, and you know, one of the reasons why the music industry has cratered is because of the loss of the casual fan, right? I mean, you can't to, – to sell 10 million records or 20 million records like people used to do, you, you're not just selling to people who – who go to record yeah, stores. Yeah, I, mean, I think the music You're industry is greater too because nobody has to pay for music anymore. Well, right, in but, a I'm way, saying, in a way. but I'm saying the yeah. casual fan will now, you know, maybe this makes you more than casual, but we'll pay $9.99 a month for a subscription service and then when Adele wins or they see Chance the Rapper wins, they'll be like, okay, I'll put that in my queue now. Yeah. But there isn't the same like, now everyone has to buy this to be part of the conversation anymore. But, yeah. But to your larger point, yeah, I think one thing that the Grammys has done smartly over the last few years is it's tried to, to the best of its abilities, make the show almost a distinct uh, entity from the nominating process and the voting process. So that the show is this sort of celebration of um, the music that is exciting, mm-hmm. performance that is exciting, and steering towards the one thing that the Grammys have that all the other award shows don't, which is they have the best Rolodex. So you can get these collaborations and um, collisions that you might not otherwise get. Now, the problem is that's you can't really have two narratives in a three or four hour broadcast sure. like that. Um, the reason why you know the Oscars still kind of is the most naturally flowing award show is that it, it's all about movies and it builds. You know, we always complain about how the Golden Globes get a little bifurcated because of TV and movies. The Emmys always get a little, lose the momentum because then they they do comedy and then drama and then miniseries. Grammys is just 
it's all over the place. So it was inevitably going to come down to these two women against each yeah, other. Yeah, your Oscars point is good. There's there's only one theme for the Oscars, and that is a celebration of the movies and the movie industry. And Damien Chazelle. Yeah, and I'm sorry, <laughs> that's this week. That's this year's. Um, and but even in this year's Oscars, yeah. I would be dumbfounded if there isn't largely a really warm pat on the back feeling of we're here we're we're doing America's most we're making America's best export yeah. you know and we are on the front lines of articulating the national con- like people's national like anxieties and national aspirations and like even if they're actually making transformers dark of the moon yeah it's like there is like a feeling of um pride in what they are doing. And with the music industry, I just think that there's always been this huge underground, this huge subculture to music that a lot of people are drawn to. And they look at the idea of music being a popularity contest as not the point of music. Like, right. And a lot of people find music to find themselves. And a lot of people find music to, 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 to shape their own identities. And if you then ask for people to validate like that music. Why I don't I don't expect the music that I love yeah. to win a best album. M- music you know? has always been, and um, I mean, this is why moving to writing about TV was actually in many ways freeing because TV is much more um, celebratory. People are excited about success, whereas music, because it is so subjective and so deeply personal and so formative, people you know are much more possessive and territorial about it, and they don't want to share it. And also, to your other point, um, there isn't really. I mean, there is punk cinema. There is there punk television? I don't know. But basically, <laughs> these things are much more difficult and costly and collaborative to create and promote, yeah. right? So there isn't – you can't say um, – yeah, let me be clear. You always can say that there's something else that was left out. But those industries are a little bit easier to wrap your arms around in terms of having a, an official award show. Music is not that. But right. the flip side of that, on a positive sense, is – I don't think there will be, in, in any of the other award shows, there will not be a moment as electric as Buster Rhymes on stage or Q-Tip kicking down a no. figurative wall yeah. with Anderson Pock and a woman in a hijab. Like, right. that was out-of-body level exhilarating in a way that these other shows can't. So kudos to the Grammys for trying to do all of that. Um, and, and you know what? Like, with Tribe, this is what their album did as well, is that Tribe Called Quest is still a absolutely beating like it's a beating heart yeah it is not a reunion tour it is not a museum piece they didn't get out there and pay tribute to the people who came before you know what i mean like they obviously pay tribute to fife but it wasn't they are not like the senior citizen circuit they are like making incredibly current art yeah sometimes very prescient art like that comes out before that you know you know what i mean that anticipates a world yeah you know and that is that was like phenomenal last night to watch. Yeah, them do obviously that. that was our both of our picks for the best performance of the night, and I really recommend people checking it out. I, I tweeted a, a live link to it. Yeah, I'm back on there. <laughs> I'm regretting. <laughs> I'm regretting some choices, <laughs> but uh, but it was you know I it it was so affirming to see that performance and to what you were saying. Like you think about older groups reuniting or reuniting with a change in membership. One thing that's been really special I think about Tribe Called Quest is that they've really or Q tip, I mean he's he's the captain of the ship, has really embraced the the first word in the name. You know, they are a tribe. Yeah. Um that's what Micah wrote something really good about this on the rare. I, yeah. I, I think that if you see the people on stage, like Anderson Pac is a is a you know a vibrant, exciting young artist. Um Consequence has always been their pal. 
Um, Buster Rhymes has always been their pal as well. And it felt like it felt very natural. The yeah. Tribe Called Quest could be this evolving collective of whoever is contributing. Jack White is on the record too. Um, and suddenly they feel more alive than almost than ever, which is, you know, a tragedy that Fife's not there to enjoy it. But by the way, Q-Tip is a hell of a live performer now. Yeah. That was crazy. Yeah. That was exciting. Um, so it's an incredible platform for people to see artists that they may not normally get a chance to see live or in that context. Like, you can obviously pull out all the tricks when you when you do a Grammys performance. You have, like, it's like a playoff game. You have, you know, NFL playoff game that you have to get a first round by and you get weeks to plan for yeah. that team. Um, but I would say that it's kind of like going off the point I was making is that Beyonce doesn't need the Grammys. Like, like it sucks that she. Well, she doesn't need to win Grammys. Yeah, she she uses the but Grammy the, awards part of as her power, a... aside from the fact that her music is great and her videos are great and her films are great and and that she is doing this thing in a world which like is not usually that supportive of somebody who wants to kind of. Dream go... Girls wasn't that great. <laughs> Dream Over Dream... personal films, right. right? Lemonade. You know, I mean, I think that she is showing people the part of her achievement, which is like doesn't even matter, but like part of it is like. I can do this my own way. Yes. And while it would have been great, she obviously submitted for these awards. There was an expectation that she would win some. Um, expect, I think even Adele. Well, to win the and, big one. And she obviously Adele one. thought she should have won them. Yeah. Uh, I think that she, her career is proof that like the Grammys are this like arbitrary bullshit popularity contest voted on by people who don't matter. But it's also, you know, for her, it's the Venice Biennale, right? Where she's just sure. like. Now is the time to unveil a new direction, a new look, some new inspiration. And what she did on that stage, I mean, that's like nine and a half minutes. Yeah. Um, much of it with spoken word, much of it with just tableau and, and imagery was incredibly beautiful, incredibly uh, powerful. And I also think what she might not get credit for, and believe me, Beyonce gets all the credit. I'm not going to pretend that she doesn't in this world. But it was very challenging. And, I, and it was challenging in a way that is less... Um, pump your fists than uh, what Q-Tip and Buster Rhymes said. Yeah. You know, she gets on this stage, um, very pregnant, with a spoken word thing about remembering your mother's hips and her internal velvet, and it's this like incredibly powerful uh, matriarchal feminism, and that's on CBS on a Sunday night. Yeah. You know, and if that made you uncomfortable, well, like that was the point. That was the point of what she did, and I think that alone is pretty remarkable. Um, and I also say, I have to say the flip side of that is, well, first of all, Adele, I don't listen to your records, Adele, but you still seem like the best hang in the universe. <laughs> <laughs> she seems like the coolest hang ever. Adele's great. Um, just like, just realer than real up there. Yeah. And what she, you know, let's, let's be really serious. Like to be on stage, to win the biggest award. And to basically say that you're not sure if you deserve it and then to speak glowingly about the person who you think deserves it and have exactly 0% of that speech come off as contrived or bullshit, that's pretty wild. Yeah. That is truly wild, you know. And it also, for me, I found that really moving because it did create something that I think is the Grammys at its most utopian best, which is creating the facade of a shared community of artists. I shouldn't even say facade because it probably does exist on some level. You know what I mean? But like when Adele is up there saying that to Beyonce, like we look to you as artists, but also just her and her friends, who, by the way, invite me anytime, would love to hang out and have a few loggers. Uh, <laughs> loggers? They, they, look up, they look up to her too, yeah. you know? And 
the idea of of artists communicating with artists and being inspired by and challenging each other is one of the most moving things about That's the best, being man. a fan. I and it's it. one of the possible things about watching these shows. And no offense to the to the dude who I'm sure is caking up off of it, but like I don't know who else was checking for like Mike Posner being like, I, I also took a pill and a beast on my man. Like that was really inspiring to me. Yeah, I mean, I think like, that his success may be inspiring. We've been talking about, this talking about pretty art. much since we started the watch. Is this run that we've been on of of artists clearly speaking to mm-hmm. one another through their albums mm-hmm. that have been coming. I mean, whether I think you know, I don't even know where you want to start the 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 chain of events, but whether it was like Black Messiah through you know Chance and Pablo and Kendrick and Beyonce and these. Albums that are clearly and that that influence is spreading. That influence is permeating itself. I mean, as is as is just like people are people are making pretty provocative art. I think that's great. I just the Grammys as like the thing that it checks off a box for you. Like that's I understand why people are upset for Beyonce. And yeah. I understand why Beyonce might be like, what the fuck? And I understand why Adele's like, yeah, I didn't deserve this. You did, but like. This isn't a Macklemore situation. Yes, like Adele is a hell of a singer. Yeah, um, I think that I think people should check out our pal John Caramonica's piece in the New York Times. It just went up about Grammy's so white. Um, you know, I, I think it's a. I think he articulates it very, very well. And um, you know, if anything else, watching those performances from the Prince tribute to Chance's just exultation, which once again made me really con- reconsider my religious <laughs> my religious <laughs> affiliations and 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 uh, devotions. Um, the Grammys really were on television this remarkable celebration of black music, yeah. of the African American contribution to our culture and to the music that moves us. And even Sturgill Simpson, who is a very talented singer songwriter, he had the Dap Kings behind him. Yeah. You know, Adele makes soul records. Um, it's undeniable, and to be able to to watch the through line and see it expressed and like and be glorified by all these different artists in different ways is is moving as a fan of music and. It's just one of those things where what you're seeing does not line up with the trophies that are being handed out. And, you know, it's it's always a difficult line to walk. These things don't matter, except they kind of do. And so I think John articulated it well. Um, shout out to John. Shout out to John. We're ready We're ready to move on to the Oscars, right? All right. Let's uh, take a quick break from our sponsors and we'll talk about Legion. Hey, guys, we just want to tell you a little bit about Harry's. You know, Andy has been staring at me all day Mm -hmm. because of the excellent close shave that I have from my Harry's razor. You look amazing. Thank you, man. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of their customers. Mm -hmm. So Jeff and Andy, these two guys who were fed up with getting ripped off, they started Harry's. Not me, by the way. Not you. They started Harry's to fix shaving. Harry's knew there was only one way to ensure quality, so they bought their own factory. That's smart. By taking less profit and selling directly to you over the internet, Harry's offers their blades at half the price. So just $2 a blade compared to $4 that you pay at the drugstore. I have to say, that is a racket, man. Like, when you're like, I need new razors. Nah, I It's just like, these guys are geniuses. Put them in charge of something else. Let them them buy more factories. Seriously, Harry's... Harry's razors include everything you need for a close, comfortable shave, all for just $2 a blade compared to the $4 you pay at the drugstore. You get five German-engineered blades, a lubricating strip flex hinge. It's got a flex hinge for a comfortable glide, trimmer blade for those hard-to-reach places, and weighted ergonomic handles. Say that in German. It's got a weighted ergonomic handle. The German word for that is ergonomic. It's amazing. Harry's is so confident in the quality of their blades, they want you to try their most popular trial set for free when you sign up. Just pay a small shipping fee. It comes with a razor handle of your choice a five blade cartridge and shaving gel to redeem your free trial offer go to harrys.com slash watch right now that's harrys.com slash watch 
Hey guys, also want to tell you a little bit about theblacktux.com. Looking great for a wedding or a special event has never been easier with theblacktux.com. With high quality rental suits and tuxedos delivered to your doorstep, the Black Tux is giving guys a new way to rent. And get this, the Black Tux offers free home try-on, so you can see the fit and feel the quality of your suit months before the event. The best part? It's completely done online. No trips to the tux shop is required. The blacktux.com lets you create your look or choose from tons of stylist selected outfits. I like the sound of that. Uh, starting at just $95. I like the sound of that even more. These suits are have a, they have a modern fit and are made from fine Italian wool, the highest quality on the rental market. And if you have any questions or issues, their customer care team has your back every step of the way. Hmm. After ordering your suit, it will arrive 14 days before your event. That's a full two weeks to try it on, make sure everything fits. And if anything is left imperfect, the Black Tux will send you a free replacement right away. When your event is over, you just drop that rental back in the mail. Shipping is free both ways. Andy, how easy is that? Can you get home or do you have to take it off at the end of the event? Uh, yes. It's not a Cinderella situation. No, it's not like you have to give it away at the ball or whatever. Oh. Yeah, you get to bring it back. Cool. Do get started now. Visit theblacktux.com slash BSPN and experience a new way to rent. Theblacktux.com slash BSPN. Okay, I'm not going to keep saying Legion. Why not? I don't know. It's just like if I have to say Legion a lot, it's going to get a little bit boring. I, I like, we, can you say it at just the top of the top of the segments? <laughs> sure. Okay. I really like it. I, anything you do that's like DJ Khaled is fine with me. This is obviously a unique television show for us to talk about because it's one that you had a role in. I worked um, on you it. You worked on it. Um, so we are trying to think of like a creative way to talk about it because ordinarily we would make some jokes and we would say what we liked well, we and didn't like. Jokes. We would give things belts. We would yeah, – so all, all this I, stuff that I, we kind of can't really do because – No, I think – look, I mean I am obviously biased. I was a co-producer on the first season of the show. Um, I – am too caught up in it to really have, um, you know, to have a fully objective opinion. Can I ask you a question? I, I, I've disqualified this from the belt, just so people have been asking. I obviously think this is ready to grab it. So you're the, are you like the Roger Goodell of the belt? What if I disqualify it? Wow, so you can be the Paul Tagliabue. <laughs> what if I qualify you, you, you can be the Paul Tagliabue. <laughs> that means I've been retired for like 10 years. Oh, doesn't it? Oh, no. Um, yes, you can ask me a question. Uh, is that true? Like, can I'm curious just as like somebody, yes. can you actually not, when you watch it, are you thinking about things oh. completely separate from the show, basically? Like, are you like, oh, yeah, interesting. Oh, yeah. No, because so, so some, so some backstory, um, just so people know, I think we, we may have talked about this a little bit before, but, um, you know, you guys, you, you know, Chris, other people know that um, before Grantland, I had wanted to get into writing for TV. And then when Grantland started, I stopped that up completely. Um, when I was I was going to be leaving Grandland the same week they shut down the website, which oh. was very convenient for me, I guess, although tragic in many other <laughs> respects. Um, I had thought that maybe I would spend some time um, pursuing that. And then uh, right around that time, uh, Noah Hawley called me. And so I had not met him. The only time I met him was when he was on my podcast like in October, I think, for Fargo season two, which had just started. And he called me out of the blue and said that he was going to be working on something that he thought I might be a good fit for. Would I ever be interested in doing that? And I said, yeah, I've got some free time. I'd love to do that. Right. That's a project that um, hasn't moved forward yet. Um, hopefully it will. I think it, it's it's sort of been announced so people could probably put the pieces together as to what it was. But uh, that was another thing that he was doing. And then when that was over, he asked me to move on to, to Legion. And so my role, people were a little confused about this, a little deep industry stuff, co-producer. That's basically a writer's title. Um, I did not produce anything. I thought but, you, you brought hot, Dan Stevens' high C. In the <laughs> no, just, just hot content. <laughs> yeah. Just that's what I produced. Um, I was in the, what it means is that I was in the writer's room um, with uh, four other extremely talented uh, individuals for uh, 10 weeks. And when I came on, 
the pilot that you guys have all seen, hopefully by now, was already written. Um, and Noah, as you know, directed it and brilliantly directed it. And so he was in pre-production for the pilot during a lot of the time we were in the writer's room. So in terms of the stuff that I actually was able to be in the mix for in terms of sharing ideas and commenting really begins with really begins with three um, 103 but 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 two was in flux as well gotcha when he was there because two was being rewritten by him gotcha so I also as I said before I did not write any of these scripts um, you did not invent the X-Men you know it, it's actually a bit in dispute right now <laughs> the Jack Kirby estate and I are in deep litigation so I can't really it's talk gone about to the that guild. Um, bigger picture also like I want to talk about the show obviously I'm excited about the show um I, this is not my show. I'm not the mouthpiece for this show. So there are going to be a lot of things where I, could, I just sort of can't talk about because this is 1,000% Noah's show and FX's thing. So um, that said, try to crack me. Try to break uh, okay. me. Okay. I think that I want to start with talking about uh, – this is this, this more than a lot, and I'll, and in any new series that I've seen probably in the last few years. I'm trying to remember the last show that was like this is one where um, it is such like a, a dense – an involved pilot that yeah. I, I like almost I, I know that this sounds like I'm hedging, but I almost were reserve judgment for whether it's like a good show or not. Like, I think that the craftsmanship of it, the performances in it, the this obvious like depth of feeling that's happening within the show makes it a good show. Oh, yeah. It's like I literally and I, I like I'm I'm the fucking target audience <laughs> uh, for a lot of reasons. Don't understand what's happening. Do you know what I mean? Like, so yeah. that is I want to investigate that. Because I want to talk a little bit about what Noah seems to be trying to do here um, in terms of like the structure of this this show. And I have watched two, but we won't talk about two yet. He's kind of like undoing a lot of, you know, and, and, and over the last few years, we've seen a lot of people tinker with television visual vocabulary the visual vocabulary of television but also the storytelling structure of television but often what will happen is people will take an episode to play in mm-hmm. and have it be like here's my little laboratory we're going to do a bottle right. episode or we're going to do some, something about a side character that you thought wasn't important and we're going to explore their lives and Noah's doing away with A plot B plot with the structure of scenes with whether or not what you're watching in any given moment is actually happening uh, and on a level that I think is like, it's like watching a guy on a tightrope. You yeah. know, it's like watching someone walk along a tightrope, and you're just like, the, the the funny thing about this is, unlike Westworld, where I think we all kind of within a few weeks and with the help of Reddit and everybody else, like we're like, I see where this is going. Like, mm-hmm. or I basically see where this has to go for it to pay off. I have absolutely no idea what the roadmap is for this show. Uh, I'm going to answer that by talking about a different show completely that I've been thinking about. Perfect. Which is, um, I've been working my way through the first season of One Day at a Time Mm -hmm. on Netflix. Um, And the devil with the yellow eyes on that show during the dream sequences is very disturbing. (laughs) Um, No, I've been watching that show and I'm... I'm really enjoying it, but mostly I'm kind of in awe of it in terms of what it is able to accomplish in what appeared to be a very uh, hoary format, you mm-hmm. know? And it's very moving. Like, the show has this, has just has room for wild levels of emotion. Yeah. You know, the episode where um, the lead character and her mother, Rita Moreno's character, you know, are, are squabbling over the grandmother's role in the family and they just talk to each other and the actresses have tears in their eyes. And it's just like, my God, this is this is human experience being performed in this sitcom. 
Um, and I was trying to think, why were they able to do that? And one of the reasons I realized they were able to do that is because by choosing to be a multicam sitcom, they have opted out of what television essentially has become for a majority of creators and viewers, which is um, a, a, a plot roller coaster, yeah. a plot delivery system. Um, when we Often when we, and I mean the collective we, people who are just chatting about culture, talk about TV shows, you know, sticking the landing, hitting its stride or whatever. It's really about what what plot has it fed me and yeah, where is, is it, it taking going to me? Pay, is this going to pay off? Uh, what right. ride are you taking me on? How, how can you shock me next? How can you, can you surprise me? And it's def- that I think that pendulum has tipped too far in that direction. Yeah. Um, so what I find really, what I find really exciting about Legion as a, as a person who's watching it and liking it, but also as someone who's excited to be a part of it, um, before it was actually made was that Noah seemed to have created, um, something where the internal lives and emotion of the characters functions like the machinery of plot, Mm -hmm. um, that they will be going, and this will become more clear to people after you watch two and three, but What's going on inside of people really is the drama and the excitement, you know, and the, the 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 excitement in a way that sort of inverts what we've come to expect. Um, all of the flourishes, you know, there's a gun battle at the end of the the pilot. All of that can be refracted through the personal emotional yeah, journey. Yeah, that's and, and David is constantly, so, seemingly constantly aware of that. So I find that really interesting. I found it very really interesting. Um, also, just so people know, and I and you know Noah's talked about this, and I think I mentioned it before too, like. Before working on it, we did not read X Men Comics as homework. Sure. Luckily, I was I'd already done extra credit. <laughs> but uh, but you know the the names that we were that that he told me to investigate were um, Milan Kundera, Oliver Sacks, and our boy Paolo Sorrentino, who went on to create who went on to create the Young Pope after <laughs> after I watched his movie. No, but like the Great Beauty um, <laughs> is a movie about subjective internal experience sure. but played broadly and so that that's that's sort of where it was going and so if if for me it's helpful to kind of put that in the larger context of what tv is trying to do to get out of this wildly successful box that it's found itself in. i think what, what I, the plot point is really interesting the idea that television being this delivery system for plot but i think that what's fascinating or and what i i can't wait to see how it works itself out on legion is there is a ton of plot. You know, there is things happening in multiple realities and multiple settings at once, mm-hmm. seemingly, all maybe within this guy's head. Um, and I saw, you know, a quote that Noah had that was basically like, this is the right way to tell this story. Mm-hmm. This is the right way to represent this character's subjective reality because of what's happening to him. Um, and I think that it is a very brave and fascinating way to think about superpowers, mm-hmm. uh, which I know is kind of like this this thing that's sort of like lingering. It's it's going to stay over this show because like if you just wanted to make a show about a guy who was um, in a mental hospital, but also possibly, you know, had powers, but you could make that show, but you didn't have to name it after a character yeah, who or- maybe Professor X's son, right? Right. Um, but the idea that that feels like a sickness, that superpowers can also yeah. feel like a, is like a sickness, is something that you don't really see investigated very much. It, it gets hinted at, like Spider-Man, the idea that these powers are almost like this off... It's like, a sort of enormous responsibility. And also it's, just like the, an affectation of puberty almost. You know what I mean? Like that, right. That, well, so it makes the subtext text. Yeah. I mean, the thing that has been compelling at the X-Men over the 50 years that they've existed isn't ultimately isn't, you know, that it's cool that dude has claws. It's that it is this 
really resilient metaphor for yeah for for not just for adolescence but for for difference for being outs- an outsider for being yeah. an outsider yeah. in one form or another um you know jim Ponowazic had a um really obviously it was a really positive review of legion in the new york times but i really liked his lead which was basically like you know wh- wh- why is the flash in such a hurry right. you know why don't why <laughs> these all these things are um, metaphors analogies you know and they are worth exploring i mean i think some of the more interesting stuff done with with batman not in the movies but in the comics has been like What's 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 really wrong with this guy? Yeah, right. Um, so it it is a, it is a, it is an inter- potentially smart, interesting way to examine it. I think. Yeah. Um, and also, just like you know, I I was happy that um, my dad, who has never been a big fan of comic books, <laughs> found the show interesting. Yeah. Because it's not leading with the thing that some people don't like. Now, obviously, it's much more tried and true to lead with the stuff that people really like, and then try to get them hit them with the hit them with a salad later, like the, the old, uh, you know, Jessica Seinfeld put the spinach in the brownies. You know what I mean? And then you put the lotion in the basket kind of thing. But What? Jessica Seinfeld put spinach in brownies? Yeah. Seinfeld's wife. Wife? Yeah, she had a whole cookbook being like, trick your kids into eating food. And I was like, nah. The whole point is to just be like, eat your food, Yeah, right? it's also like, spinach can be good. Yeah, you right. don't need to put it in a brownie. Yeah, you just get like an herb dressing on it. Just watch Popeye. <laughs> That's the best I had for spinach ever. Um, what else do I want to say about this? What else do we want to talk can I, about? Can I this? say one thing about it that I yeah. feel totally qualified? Dan Stevens is so good. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you guys also should should know, like, when, when you're in a writer's room working on the show, for a while, there's no cast. Uh, then he was cast, I think, like, two or three weeks into me being there. Um, everyone was excited. But you still don't know. You know, they, they, they shot the series after our room's work was done. Mm-hmm. So then when I finally got to see the pilot and see everything, it's like, oh, yeah, you need you need someone who can pull this off and be charismatic and be a leading man and be funny and be alive and also not be annoying. You know, be, to, because this person has all these quirks and ticks. Um, he's really he's he's really good. We were I mean we were on his train before because of uh, the guest, the guest, and um, Down uh, walk, walk among the tombstones. Yeah, that's right. He's High quite ma- good in walk among the tombstones. He's so good in that dude, and also high maintenance. Maybe his yeah. secret best performance. Um, what do you think about the idea? So uh, what ordinarily happens is that a pilot will come out. It'll set up um, the origin story, or maybe not yeah. even the origin story, but it'll set up like the stakes of the show. It's like this is a show about a guy who is a, an advertising man in the 1950s, and well, this show sounds good. What is it? And he's gonna, you know, it, it's he's he's an advertising man during a t- time of Amer- an enormous flux in our society, whatever. And then we find out that he's got some other issues. Was um, is that Mash? Yeah, and I think that we find out at the end of the pilot that that. David is very wanted by like a variety yeah. of different like groups of people. Mm-hmm. Um, that he's got some trauma in his life that he is that may be because of his illness or may have like affected like what has happened to him. You shouldn't leave him alone in a kitchen. You should not leave him alone around any any sharp objects mm-hmm. or pools. And then there are these people who may or may not be figments of his imagination or may or may not actually be present in. The what you know is he is he experiencing a memory of something that he has already done, mm-hmm. and somebody's come back through his memories to help him or what have you. All of that stuff is inc- That's like so, so. That's like in some ways you get the visual language of the show, which is discursive and it's basically multiple voices talking at once. It's unlike a pilot in many ways because I don't know. It hasn't set the table for anything, no. or the table is not a table. We haven't gotten to the place where a lot of the show will take place. Okay. You know, we haven't met. We we meet, I guess, 
a few of the, the cast, but the rest of the cast shows up at the very end. Um, so the audience is left to wonder who they are, what they're doing, what their aims are. Right. Um, and that's, that is pretty rare. You know, it, the, the, the pilot really is its own journey, bringing you up to speed and putting you quite literally in the head of a character and then what they're going to do with that character. And, and, you know, I would say that was also the work of the writer's room, which is like, what do you do now? What? Like it was such a bravura opening statement. Um, and you know, the, the exciting challenge of being a small part of the show was that, uh, you know, Noah's mind works in that very similarly creative and subjective way, which goes by feel and, uh, and, and intuition. And so when your job in a writer's room is really to just sort of like just help, you know, shepherd ideas or try to like, um, keep things afloat. Um, it, it was a unique challenge. I think we will obviously be talking about this show a lot. Uh, we'll, we'll continue to try and sort of feel our way through how we're going to talk about it, but it's obviously like a show that's very much in our wheelhouse, even if you hadn't worked on it. Yeah, I would be really psyched. But also hopefully we can get some guests on um, to talk about their involvement and things, you know, to, to, to add some perspective so I don't sound... Hugh Jackman? We can get Hugh Jackman <laughs> to be like, why wasn't I involved? Patrick Stewart just auditioning. Um, because I don't... I do want to be able to have a, a, a conversation about the show without sounding like a Proof of Life hostage video. Yeah, right. Um, so, but I'm really excited that people watched it and hopefully liked it and we'll see where develops going forward okay let's talk a little bit about girls before we go uh final season premiered last night uh, mm-hmm. up against the grammy so season obviously six. season six um big look for the god riz just so happy for him like just every all he does is is is, is swish his shots right now can man. we just sidebar like what kind of a year can we compare this to anyone's year i mean riz riz ahmed really put himself I, i'm gonna count this as a 2016 thing like this is a Quite a quite a quite an anum he put together. Yeah, uh, Night of Rogue One. Rogue One. So the biggest movie of the year. One of the biggest. One of the. I would say biggest, one of the best shows. Uh, yeah. Um, the OA. Yep. And and now Girls. And what's pretty great about him as a performer is first of all he is totally likable and charismatic in all of them, but he has this thing as an actor where oh and, and Jason Bourne. He has this thing where he, which was terrible, but, you know, he was in it. I totally forgot that he was yeah. in Jason I think he, everyone wants that. He was dope in Jason well, Bourne. all of his characters, yeah. he has this thing that only certain actors have, right, where all of his characters are just absolutely, inarguably him. There's a sort of, like, wide-eyed credulousness to all of his characters, but he's able to just change the dial setting mm-hmm. so that he can be kind of a dopey, positive um, surfer, but then also be this guy in the OA who is incredibly like supportive and believe in believing in Brit Marlin Marling's um, what's the word uh, nonsense. But a professional person in the federal yeah. government, you know, and in the same way where he can be a he can be a pilot who is he just he. he I actually would add a, a little bit of a, all the the OA the night of um, not so much Rogue One and uh, girls. He also takes characters who. I mean, in, in the end, there are some fan theories that of what his involvement in Brett Marling's sort of yeah. fate is. Oh, and yeah. then there is also, you know, in the night of, up until the very end, people were like, well, maybe he doesn't remember. Maybe yeah. he doesn't know what he did. Maybe he is capable he of that. He kind of can't tell what his Yeah, and the same are. thing for girls where it's like he's this incredibly sweet, you know, beatific, uh, like, surfering instructor who is actually, like— you know, it's like, just DTF. Yeah, exactly. And like his, his girlfriend <laughs> can, is coming to town. Can, can I, I just, love the, the like the the wintering in at Atl- Atlantis stuff. Though. Can I also just say I want to just give us 
the uh, for the month of March the Woke Podcasters Award because we began our conversation of a show called Girls by talking about the guest star oh boy. My God. <laughs> really proud of us. <laughs> Stay woke. Um, with girls, I think the you know uh, my thing is that I don't really think that any of the characters in this show would actually be friends anymore. And that's not like a, it's like any long running quasi sitcom show where characters are sort of like. Yeah. still living together for no apparent reason. But uh, it almost seems kind of arbitrary in a way that isn't at all true to life. Like, there are moments that are still very true in Girls, but sometimes I'm just like, did did you guys get Driver for like five minutes here? And so you shot him eating yogurt and, and being naked or whatever with Jessa. I, like, it's just the, the, the sort of actual setup yes. of this world is still, is actually now like just sort of so far past its, it's sell by date. Well, hopefully, for me. so I have a conversation coming up on the pod that hopefully we'll be able to get into some of this stuff. But in Is terms it with of Hugh Jackman, it's with Hugh Jackman <laughs> <laughs> because we're going to do our new Monday segment: Ask a Man About Girls. Okay, um, I think it's going to be pretty interesting. Um, I, just pulling back for a second, once again thinking about this in terms of just like as a television fan or as a television show, not even specifically to this program. Um, Girls is very unique because it started as you know being made by someone who did not come from a television writing background, came from an independent film background. And, you know, the first few seasons really felt experimental, um, not always in terms of the, the visual aesthetics of the show, but in terms of, well, it's going to be about this person, or this is going to be a short film for a week, or these people aren't even going to be a part of it for a while. Um, as the show has gone on, it has become more and more yoked to the tracks of a television mm-hmm. show, which has often resulted in great things. I mean, the, the, the Jessa and Adam relationship, we talked about this last season, was the in some ways the most sitcom thing in that well these characters haven't been paired off yet but in in many ways it revitalized the show and even yes. even um, fired up the lead character into a new direction but I, it's almost like Adam and Jessa would be the type of people who would be like you know what we found each other and now we're gonna go on like a year long road trip to buy and I yeah. wonder not only is that accurate to the world that the show seemed to be to be chronicling but also. Um, because of the work of the first few seasons where I don't really understand why any of them were friends or how much any of them were friends, you know, then then you begin to wonder what the attachment is. And so the biggest example of that for me was this week was that Ray has nowhere to live except with this guy who he went to Staten Island with once. Yeah. They're best friends now. Right. He lives there. Yeah. I think that it, my, that's my major issue with the show is that none the, of them have other friends. But isn't this such a TV thing? Like it's right. because we're holding it to a certain standard. When but in like fact, the friends on Friends, you're like, yeah, you guys are friends. But I love it when Karpovsky and Driver are together. Sure. They're really fun. They're really fun so actors. So it's worth, yeah. I think they just made a decision that it was worth steering to that. Now, like, am so, I? So far we've got, am Riz I is the best thing in girls and why isn't girls friends? <laughs> we're, we're killing it today. <laughs> but, you know, the, the lo- like the love triangle that, that we're now in for yeah. this final season of of uh, Ray, Shosh, and Martins. Um, <laughs> it, it's this thing where, like, I don't know if, I don't know if this is the meal I ordered, but boy, these dishes are, are enjoyable to eat. Sure. You know, it's they're they're fun together. Like the the like Allison Williams, I think, gives her best performances on the show often in these in these circumstances. Like the circumstances playing off of Karpovsky, who's great. Um it feels the other thing about the show I would say this season, I'm very curious to see where it goes, is um, you know, if you're making a fifth season of a show, you're making a fifth season of a show, and you can you're still taking time to explore things you want to, and you're still swinging, and you might be missing, but you're you're sort of moving in a lot of directions at once to see what works. When you're making the sixth and final season, then you know going in that every decision you make has added significance. Mm-hmm. Now, some people can crumble under that, some shows can crumble under that, but there's intentionality behind everything that I think is probably different than when you're making a third, fourth, or fifth season. And so to see 
to the, so what Lena, what Lena Dunham is doing with Hannah in this first episode of the season probably is speaks to what she actually wants to say about the character overall. And I think the show has been pretty. Well, you know, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna I'm gonna not say what I was gonna say. I was gonna say it's been ambiguous about the direction of the character, but I think the show has been about that vagueness and ambiguity, ambiguity of the character, which is tough to sort of to, to plan yourself. I also in. need to just say one thing though. Yeah. It's actually been like one of the more consistently funny shows. Like I always laugh. Yeah, I, it, it it has the unfair maybe burden of meaning something every week or meaning yeah. something every season or meaning something in general. And it obviously has been a lightning rod for criticism ever since it started. But uh, just like on a scene to scene, line to line, you know, there is always something in girls that I laugh at. Yeah, yeah. A- Andrew Reynolds this week. Yeah. That whole scene. Yeah. He's just going to have a small networking orgy in her room. <laughs> um, okay, so Thursday we will be back. We will probably wrap up Young Pope then. Uh, a little Taboo, taboo Islands. Oh, another letter. <laughs> and um, I thought the post had been disrupted by some storms. <laughs> no? And uh, and then we will we'll see what else we can see. You can check out the watch list. Share the pod with a friend. We really appreciate all the fan art. Thank you for such kind and loving representations of <laughs> our physical. It. Follow us. Uh, follow us on, uh, at the Watch Pod on Twitter. Yeah. it's a great website. Very supportive place. Uh, actually, all of that community has been really nice and helping me put toes back in otherwise fetid water. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and also, guys, we're still reading David Downing Zoo Station, a thrilling comedic novel about creeping fascism. Yeah, we have to pick the day we're going to do the. uh, We have to do the book club. But please, if you've read the book, if you're reading it, you have uh, topics, questions, uh, send them at the Watchpod at Twitter, and we're collating them. Zach's keep got an eye on it, and we'll we'll make it a conversation. We're looking forward to it. Thanks for listening, guys. Great job, Bransky. Thanks again to A Divided Spy. Critics are calling Charles Cumming the heir to John le Carré. That is quite a mantle. Uncover the truth in A Divided Spy from New York Times bestselling author Charles Cumming. Booklist gives A Divided Spy a starred review, calling it an airtight espionage plot full of unanticipated twists. Charles Cumming is awesome. By the way, I have read several of his novels. Read A Divided Spy by Charles Cumming. For more information, visit adividedspy.com. 